Amen. Please stay on your feet for just a second. Um, I don't know um, how many of you have um, been around to hear. I've heard that uh, Prophet Jim Critcher, Pastor Prophet Jim Critcher has been preaching, that this is actually um, on the Hebraic calendar. It is the year 5776, which is actually um, a jubilee year. How, how many of you know what a jubilee year is? Amen. For those of you that aren't familiar with this terminology, um, every 50 years on the Hebraic calendar, um, according to Leviticus chapter 25, they would blow the sound of a trumpet. And on that 50th year, it was called a year of release. How many of you have some things that you want to see released? Come on. You want to see your family released? You want to see your health released? Come on, you want to see your finances released? You want to see a nation released? Amen. And in the year of Jubilee, if for some reason you had been sold into slavery, you were actually set free. If you had lost property, that property was returned to you. Amen. If your children were somehow taken away and your children had gone astray, families were restored in the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, God connected the people of Israel back to their place of inheritance. How many know we have an inheritance through Jesus? And this is a very significant, very special Jubilee year because it is actually, Hebraic scholars say, it is actually the 70th Jubilee since Joshua and Caleb went in and released the shout at Jericho and the walls fell down. They say it's the 70th year. I feel faith rising in the room already. Amen. I feel faith rising in your hearts. And this word jubilee literally comes from a Hebrew word teruah, which literally means to release a shout of joy, to release a shout of celebration. And so tonight, I believe that there are miracles that are already taking place in this room. I believe that there's miracles of freedom, miracles of release, freeing you from bondage, freeing you from confinement, releasing our families. Come on, 70 is actually the number of coming out of captivity. And I believe that that is a prophetic word to many of your families, to many of your homes. I believe that's a prophetic word to this house. I believe that's a prophetic word to your house. I believe it's a prophetic word to this nation. So let's release a Teruah sound into the heavenlies. Release. Just say release. Hallelujah. 
Did you hear the song? How many believe that preachers ought to practice what they preach? How many believe congregations ought to believe what they sing? We just sang miracles can happen now. For the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Amen? Turn to somebody and just tell them real quickly, your miracle is here right now. Amen. Your miracle is here right now. Amen. You can be seated. We're just going to... We're just going to stay in this atmosphere because I believe that God's already moving. Amen. We don't have to look for some point in the service for you to get healed in your body. Although I believe there's going to be points for that. But I believe that right where you are right now, God's opening your ears to hear prophetically. God's giving you strategies right now. Regardless of what I'm saying here from the, from the platform area, I want you just to touch your ears and say, God, speak your word to me. Speak that which I need to hear tonight that's going to bring my release. That's going to release my miracle. Amen? Because miracles are already here. Miracles aren't coming. Miracles are here. Now let me tell you something else about this Jubilee year. This is the year, and you would pronounce it like this. You would pronounce the, the name of this year, 5776. You would pronounce the 76 like this in Hebrew. Ayin Vav. Everybody say Ayin Vav. It's interesting because Ayin is that number 70. And that number 70 is actually the word Ayin. And Ayin literally means to see. How many know that that's what this prophetic conference is about? It's about God opening up our eyes so that we can see what God needs to do and what God wants to say. But the second part of that word Ayin Vav, that word Vav is actually a Hebraic letter. Okay, now in the Hebraic alphabet, they say alphabet, not alphabet, but it is the word vav, and a vav is, um, is the sixth letter in their alphabet, 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 okay? And it's pictured um, like a hook, a stake, a spear, or a nail. I have a picture of it if you want to take a look at it, okay? And, or it looks something like this, okay? This is how it looks. Doesn't it look like like a, like a stake. How many believe in staking your claim? You know what? Sometimes we just, we have not because we ask not. And, and I believe that God wants to begin to release to us a hungering to lay a hold of the purposes and the plans of God. Now, if you look at this, it looks kind of like a stake, kind of looks like a, like a, like a peg. Um, it also looks like a hook. Um, and in, um, in the very first place that you actually see this letter, which is pronounced Vav, is actually in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And in, in the Hebrew, Genesis 1, 1 would, would be pronounced like this. In beginning, God created heaven and earth. In beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the sixth word in that verse actually begins with the letter Vav. And it's the very powerful word, and. Everybody say, and. Ooh. What and does is it connects heaven and earth. And I believe that this is a year that God is saying he wants heaven to partner with earth in a brand new way. Heaven and earth partnering together. It's a hook. It literally hooks together heaven and earth. And the, the interesting thing about 
about this vav is that, you know, in the old days of the scribes, whenever they would write the scriptures, they would write the scripture on scrolls. And whenever they would start a brand new scroll, the very first mark that they would make on a new scroll is a vav. They would make this little letter, this little hook on the top of the scroll. And what this was signifying is this word is hooked to all the scrolls that come before it. And it's also hooked to all the scrolls that come after it, signifying God's continuous eternal word. It was also a signifier that these are not just the words of men, but we are literally hooking the words of heaven into our natural lives so that they will impact us. It literally talked about writing them on our foreheads, writing them on our breastplates. And so hooking the things out of heaven into the earth. I remember years ago, um, we had a prophet come to our church that prophesied and said, there are already miracles in the atmosphere, but what you've got to do is you've got to reach up and hook what's in heaven and pull it down into the earth. So some of you right now, right where you're sitting, need to reach up and hook on to the things that God's promising you, the release of, of miracles that God is giving to you and pulling it down into earth. Because you see, God wants to hook things together. God wants to hook the eternal word from the heavens into our lives in a very practical, very purposeful, and very powerful way. Hebrews chapter 4 says that the word did not profit God's people because they didn't mix it with faith. How many know that we can come to these prophetic conferences, we can hear powerful words, but if we don't grab a hold of it and make it ours and then start to mix it with faith, how many understand it does not profit us anything? But when we start hooking things out of heaven, hooking things that God has spoken, and we begin to pull it into our life and begin to make it ours, I believe that this also hooks things from our past that God has spoken to us and pulls it into our present. I believe it also hooks things from our future that we're waiting for and that we've developed a someday attitude about. Come on, if we could just deliver God's people from someday. And believe that now faith is. Amen. And start hooking them into our now. I believe we'll start to see God move in a very powerful way. How many believe your miracle can happen right now? How many believe your breakthrough can happen right now? How many believe that wherever your lost family member is right now, God can start sending his ministering spirits out to hook them and get them home? Amen. I'm telling you, if we'll release our faith, we'll start to see God move. I, I had two dreams. Uh, those of you that know me know that I'm a dreamer. And I had two dreams at the very beginning of this year, actually the end of last year. And over and over throughout the night, um, I was seeing biblical scenes. I was seeing scenes of tremendous outpouring and awakening that's taken place uh, in the earth. I was seeing scenes from the Old Testament, scenes from the New Testament. And every time I would see a different scene, I would hear the Spirit of the Lord say two things. He would say, number one, he would say, if you will show up, then I will show off. See, I believe that God was asking us to be the Vav, to be the connecting point between heaven and earth. I was seeing this when Jesus was at the pool of Siloam and he was healing the sick people. God was saying, see, my son showed up and then I was able to show off. But the second thing that the Lord said to me over and over in these different scenarios is that he said, if I did it then, I will do it again. 
If I did it then, I will do it again. And I believe that the Lord is saying, the greatest days of the church are not behind us. I believe the greatest days of miracles, the greatest days of awakening, the greatest days of revival are right in front of us right now. Anything that we've seen biblically that God has done, God is saying, if I did it then, I will do it again. When Jesus touched the people in the crowd and healed them all, God said, if I did it then, I will do it again. But then he adds this, he says, but if you will show up, then I will show off. In one of the dreams that I had, I was on the field of battle with Jehoshaphat. And remember, remember the story of Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, 20? Jehoshaphat was surrounded by, his, by these enemies, by these armies that were just sure to wipe him out. And here's what God's word was to him. Do not be afraid. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Regardless of what you're seeing in the news, do not be afraid. I, let me tell you, if all you do is watch CNN, it'll scare you to your liver. Come on. If all you're doing is reading the news, it's going to shake you to the core. But if you stop for a moment and start allowing your spirit to speak to you, I'm telling you, I've never been more excited. Do you hear me? I've never been more excited. I've never been more hopeful for what God wants to do in the church. I've never been more excited about the season that we're in. God said to Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid. And then the Lord said this, you're not going to need to fight in this battle. How many like that word? Okay, but listen to what he said next. He said, go, but go down to the battlefield. See, some of us think, oh, well, we don't have to fight, so we're out of here. No, no, no. God's saying, if you will show up, then I will show off. Come on. When they showed up on the battlefield, God brought confusion to the enemy, and they turned and they devoured each other. And all the Jehoshaphat did was go and gather up the spoils. How many looking for a day to gather spoils? Amen? The spoil of souls, the spoil of nations, the spoil of finances, the, the spoil of miracles. We've got to start letting our faith, letting our hope be released again. One of the other scenes that I saw was the battlefield of Deborah. Now, I've written a book about Deborah. I love the character of Deborah. But do you realize that when they showed up on the battlefield, it literally says that the heavens fought for them. Listen to this great prophetic word. Go down to this river. Gather up the troops. Grab, gather up the armies. And go down to this river. And when you get to this river, I'm going to send all the hosts of your enemies against you. Woo! How many want a prophetic word now? <laughs> he said, but I will deliver him and deliver them into your hand. Now, how many know that God actually caused torrential rains to fall from the heavens that literally just swept the enemy away? If you show up, God says, I will show off. But then you remember what happened is that the, the, the commander of the armies actually fled away to the tent of a woman named Jael. Jael was not a mighty prophet. Jael was a housewife, or should I say a tent wife? Okay? She, she was a tent keeper, not a housekeeper, a tent keeper. But remember what happened is that the enemy came into her tent. He went to sleep in her tent, and then she took a vav. Now listen, I am not telling you to do this in the natural. Please hear me. But I am saying that she became a connector of God's victory into the earth. 
And she literally took this and drove this through the, through the head of the enemy. How many know that our praise drives a vod through the head of the enemy? When we worship like this, our enemies are defeated. Let me tell you, Psalms chapter 8 verse 2 says this, For this purpose I ordain praise because of your enemies to silence your foe and to still your avenger. So every time we worship, every time we shout, it's like we're driving a stake through the enemy's heart. If that's too graphic for you, I'm sorry. It's in the Bible. But understand this, we're not talking about warring against flesh and blood. We're not talking about people. We're talking about staking our claim in the spirit. It's really funny because I was at a, a conference one time and, um, and I had actually preached the message on JL. So Cindy Jacobs was there with me. And so she decided that the next day, um, what she would do is she would go and buy some, some stakes and have people go home and nail them into their ground at home to go home and say, we are staking our claim for the kingdom of God in this community. How many believe that that's a good prophetic act to stake our claim for God in our community. So I was up praying for people and I didn't know that she had done this and it was actually about twice the size, gigantic stakes that she handed out to everybody and said, let's carry the spirit of awakening, let's carry the spirit of revival home and let's stake a claim for the kingdom of God. Well, what I didn't realize is that while I was up ministering, somebody came by and dropped one of those in my purse and I went straight from the meeting to the airport. And so when my bag went through the TSA screener, the guy kind of got this funny look on his face. And I said, oh, did I leave a bottle of water in my bag? And he goes, uh, no, it's not a bottle of water. And he reaches into my bag and he pulls out this steak. And he goes, would you like to explain this? And I thought of the story. And I just said, no. <laughs> I thought it might get me in more trouble to explain the story. But why am I bringing this up? Because listen, if this symbol is a connector, understand that God wants to connect heaven and earth and he wants to use you to be the connector. Listen, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he connected forever heaven and earth. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was saying forever, everything that is in heaven is being made available to my people in the earth. And as Jesus became our connector through salvation and through his sacrifice, you and I become connectors for the earth. We have a, a woman in our church that just about a month ago, she's a, she's a, 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 a she, as a hairdresser by trade. And while she was uh, doing a woman's color about a month ago, uh, she put the woman's color on. The woman said, I need to uh, go to the bathroom. And so she got up to go to the bathroom and took a few steps and collapsed on the floor of her beauty salon. She stopped breathing. She started turning blue. They called an ambulance right away. They called the woman's husband. They talked among themselves and nobody knew CPR. But this woman, who's a, a member of our church, she said, I might not know CPR, but I do know something. Come on. And she became a connector between heaven and earth at that moment. And all she did was walk over to that woman and put her hand on her chest and just said, life. And when she put her hand gently on that woman's chest and said, life, the woman went <gasps> and took a big breath. She was dying. 
There were all kinds of signs in the room that she was dying. But when she spoke the word life, that woman became a connector between heaven and earth. And life flowed back into that woman. Now, let me just say this. She did not regain consciousness at that moment. The ambulance was still on the way. So after she was breathing, then she clicked back into hairdresser mode and said, you know what? This woman's going to live, so I better get this color out of her hair. So she drug her over to the bowl, washed the color out of her hair, put her back on the floor, and waited for the ambulance. Now that's what you call doing your job. (laughs) Come on, how many here want to be a connector? How many understand that when we get in an atmosphere like this for miracles, it's about you getting your miracle, but it's also about you realizing that you've got miracle working power on the inside of you. And that you can be that which connects heaven's miracles into other people's lives and into other people's circumstances. This is a time that God wants to bring the reality of that connection. Leviticus chapter 25 declares this. Proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all its inhabitants. Listen, this weekend is a significant weekend. There are prayers going up from the East Coast. And God is connecting them to the prayers on the West Coast because God's moving in this nation. God's church is awakening in this nation. Another thing about this trumpet sound of jubilee is that the trumpet in Scripture is always an indicator of God's prophetic voice. Did you know that? In Revelations chapter 1, John the Revelator said, I heard a trumpet speaking to me. I heard a trumpet speaking to me. And when John was up in the throne room of heaven in Revelation chapter 4, he said it again. I heard a trumpet speaking to me. God's voice sounds like a trumpet. God's voice begins to shake things, begins to create an atmosphere. And as I ministered this morning, God's voice releases a force. So when we shout like that, that creates a sound. It creates a force in the spirit that begins to bring a release. When we begin to prophesy or when we begin to say what God is saying, because that's what prophecy is, is hearing God's voice and just saying what God says, it begins to release a force that begins to bring jubilee, begins to bring freedom. And you know what? You don't always have to say, yay, thus saith the Lord, to be prophesying. You may just share the love of Jesus with somebody, and it may be the voice of God to that person that breaks them free. How many are willing to say, I will be a Vav? I will be a connector that releases God's power and God's voice. Now listen, last year, God gave me a prophetic word. And I believe that we're hooking together the things that God has spoken even over last seasons. And and we are just seeing phenomenal miracles. But here's what the Lord said to me at the beginning of last year. He said, tell my people that we are in a season not just of divine release, but we are in a season of divine reversal divine reversal. How many have some things that you need to see reversed? And so as, as I heard the Lord speak this, I began to study and I was actually studying the book of Esther. And we know the story of Esther, how, um, how uh, Esther, how the people of God were under an edict or decree by an evil man whose name was Haman. I want to get this straight right here. Set the record straight. It is Haman, not Hammond. 
just clarifying this, okay? This is my name, all right? And so we know the story that, that Haman actually wrote this decree of death and destruction against the Jewish people. And Esther actually came before the throne of the king and actually said to the king, you know, king, listen, we've got this horrible situation of this horrible decree that the enemy has made against, uh, against your people. And the king stretched out his scepter of favor. And he said to Esther this, he said, ask what you want. Ask what you want. And so she and Mordecai, her uncle, actually wrote a new decree. That's what the king said. Write a new decree. Some of you need to go home and actually write a new decree over your lives. Because you've been laboring under the decree of the enemy long enough. Come on, the enemy likes to decree things like sickness. He likes to decree things like divorce. He likes to decree things like poverty. Well, let me tell you, if that's what the enemy's decreeing, God's decree is exactly opposite. If the enemy's decreeing sickness, God's decreeing what? Health. If the enemy's decreeing poverty, what is God decreeing? If the enemy is decreeing bondage, what is, the, what is God decreeing? Freedom. Come on. We need to go home and write a new decree. Now, at the beginning of last year, we actually wrote decrees for each of our children. We have adult children, um, and um, we actually wrote decrees for each of our children. Our oldest daughter is in New York. She needed a new job. We began to decree it, and she got a new job. We began to decree that my second daughter and her husband would be properly positioned, because these are the things that the Lord had spoken, that they would be properly positioned in our community. And he ran for public office and actually won his first election at the age of 29. Come on. And then our third son was uh, living in a, uh, in a mobile home. We were laughing about this at dinner last night, that when you live in it, you call it a mobile home. When you move out, you call it a trailer, okay? <clears throat> so, because we lived in one for 12 years, so we lived in a trailer, all right? But my son was actually living in a mobile home and actually needed to get out of the mobile home and get into a house, so we decreed that the Lord would move them into a house. Well, three months later, they moved into my house, not, not the way I saw that happening, okay? <clears throat> so we had to go back and write a new, new decree, okay? <laughs> God eventually brought them into their own house, all right? But Job twenty two twenty eight says, you shall decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. Job twenty two twenty eight. write it down, and go home and write some new decrees. Well, Esther and Mordecai wrote a new decree. And it says in Esther chapter 9, verse 1, on the day that the enemy hoped to have power over them, it was turned to the contrary, or another translation says, the reverse occurred. And instead, the Jews had power over those that hated them. How many have some situations that need a divine reversal? Come on, God turned it around for them. This is a turnaround season, a turnaround year. So listen, how many know it's one thing to get a prophetic word? How many know it's another thing to actually need a prophetic word? I did not know I was going to need this prophetic word. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you actually look this word turn around up from Esther chapter 9, it's the Hebrew word hapak, H-A-P-H-A-K. It's also spelled H-A-P-H-E-K, which also means turn around, overthrow, uh, uh, to, to reverse. And look at the Strong's Concordance numbers for these two words. 
It's the year 2015, the number 2015, and the number 2016. See, I think God's putting a giant exclamation point to say, if my people will engage their faith, this can be a time of divine reversals and a time of divine turnarounds in your life. Now listen, I did not know. I was so excited when God started speaking this, but I did not realize till three hours later that this word was actually something that I was going to need. Because I want to tell you a little story about my family. I want to show you a picture of my, of my family, if we can put that up. Well, actually, these are just my grandkids. By the time you get to grandkids, you start cutting the kids out, okay? <laughs> is that right? Okay. So, so this is, oh, there's my family. Okay, well, there you go. They don't feel left out. It's my family. And if you'll go to the next one, I want to tell you about a little quick story about one of my grandchildren. This is Lucas. Um, and uh, Lucas is now three. Lucas was two at, the, at this time. Lucas was born with, with a genetic deletion called Williams syndrome, which means that he's missing 26 genes in his uh, DNA makeup. And those 26 genes actually end up causing quite a bit of trouble. And um, at, the, at the time that the Lord spoke this to me, Lucas had actually been diagnosed with a severe compression on his brain. And the doctors were saying they needed to do surgery, but it was dangerous to do surgery. And so they were going to need to wait for just a little while. But the doctors said this. They said, if we wait, there's a whole list of things that could actually go wrong. How many know that that's a reality, but that we also need to, uh, we also need to understand that God's decree is for life? Amen? And so one of the things that the doctor said could go wrong is that Lucas could suddenly lose the use of an arm or a leg. And the doctor said, if this should happen because of the area of compression, they said, if this should happen, the damage would actually be irreversible. Listen to that language, irreversible. Because what I didn't know is that while I was meeting with God and God was giving me this word divine reversal, what I did not know yet is that when Lucas got out of bed that morning, he had actually lost the use of his left leg. The doctor said we cannot then do surgery and recover the use of his leg. The damage will be permanent. And so he was dragging his leg. He was trying to walk, trying to crawl, could not use his leg. And the doctor said it would be irreversible. But I had a word from God. Come on, I had a word of freedom from God that was an opposite decree. That God said, divine reversal. So we said, bring Lucas here. We laid hands on him. And I want you to know that it didn't happen the first day or the second day. But on January 1st, 2015, that morning, Lucas popped out of bed. His leg completely restored, completely healed. And God brought a divine reversal. I'm telling you, we serve a God of miracles. We serve a God of turnarounds. We serve a God that will shift and turn your circumstance. Since that time, we have seen blood disorders healed. We have watched blind eyes opened in our ministry. We actually, one of our elders had a torn retina. She went to the doctor. She had the curtain that came down over her eye, floaters, loss of eyesight. She went to the hospital. They said, you've got a major torn retina. We need to send you immediately in for surgery. It was about an hour's drive to the, to the place that she was going to get surgery. Along that drive, she called us. We prayed. We decreed divine reversal. By the time she got to the surgery center, she was completely healed. 
We've watched degenerative orders uh, turned around. We've watched barren wombs open. We've watched impossible court situations turned around in favor. We've watched desperate business situations reversed and people come into supernatural fulfillment and blessing. Why? Because God is a God that longs to see his people blessed. God is a God that wants to bless you. It is the Father's delight to bless you. And to turn things around. Listen, I want to I read you. Um, let's go to that next scripture. I'll read you one more scripture. And then we're going to do one more thing together. Is in, We're going to read uh, Joel chapter 3 verse 1. Look at this. Not only does God want to bring reversal for physical miracles and healing. God wants to, God wants to bring uh, restoration of everything that you've lost. Just look at this scripture. Joel chapter 3 verse 11. Or verse 1, sorry. It says, for behold, in those days... And at that time, can we say in these days and at this time? If I did it then, I will do it again. Behold, in these days and at this time, the Lord says, I shall reverse the captivity. How many of you have some children that are in captivity? How many of you have some grandchildren that are in captivity? How many have some finances that are in captivity? How many of us have a nation that's in captivity? God says, I will reverse the captivity and restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. How many believe that God can begin to release and restore all that's been stolen? All that's been lost. Amen. I believe it's Jubilee. Jubilee is all about restoration. The connecting of heaven and earth. The, re the restoration to our inheritance. Divine reversals. Divine turnarounds. I'll tell you one more dream. About two months ago, I had a dream, um, and it was a night that we had actually been praying because uh, one of the pastors at our church, one of our lead prophets, was actually in the hospital, and he had a very serious situation with his leg that the doctors were saying they may need to amputate below the knee. It was a desperate situation, and desperately something needed a divine reversal. He got an infection in the bone, and it looked like an impossible situation. And that night I had a dream, and the Lord said, start decreeing a time for easy miracles. Easy miracles. Just say, easy miracles. I woke up the next day, I was so excited. We were actually in England, we put a phone call in at home, and you know what happened? The doctor walked into his, his hospital room that morning with a long face, with sad news. But when he pulled the cover back on the bed to examine his leg, the doctor said, wow, wow, whoa. That's all he could say. That was his vocabulary. <laughs> because overnight, God had completely healed his leg. Easy miracles. Easy miracles. Just say it again. Easy miracles. Now, we started out by releasing a shout. And we're going to end there. Because here's what, here's what you need to know about Jubilee. God will release things back to you in Jubilee. And God will bring restoration. But it, when you read Leviticus chapter 25, there's one thing that God says you don't have to, that, the, that does not need to be given back. And that is anything that is actually within a walled city. 
If that possession is within a walled city, it does not return in Jubilee. Do you know what the enemy likes to do? He likes to build walls around our promises. He likes to build walls of impossibility that get us convinced through doubt and unbelief that we can't have the miracle that God is saying we can have. It gets us into a place of shame and accusation where the enemy says, you know what? Why do you think you would deserve to get that back? How many understand we don't deserve any of this? But because of what Jesus did when he was nailed to the cross, it released the blessings of heaven to us. The enemy likes to build walls of fear and intimidation. You don't want to ask too much because you might be ashamed or you might be disappointed. Well, guess what? You have not because you ask not. And so if the enemy has tried to build walls around your promises and try to tell you, you can't get that back, you can't have that back, God has a beautiful prescription for what to do with walls. And we see it in the story of Joshua. March around the walls and shout. Release the sound of jubilee. Now, for some of you that maybe aren't normally in a church that shouts, I can tell this church shouts. But if you're not normally in a church that shouts, you can shout. Just shut your eyes. Nobody will see you, okay, when we shout. All right? But listen, just listen to, listen to what happens. When we shout, I want to just give you a quick, quick understanding from the, the Word of God. The Word of God tells us in Psalms, we are to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. How many have something to triumph about? How many have something that you're thankful about? Amen? Then it tells us this, that God arises amid shouts of praise. It also said God has gone up with a shout. So when we shout, it is a prophetic sound. It is like the sound of jubilee, just like the trumpet being released, because the word jubilee also means shout. Because when it says that they shouted and the walls came down, do you know what that Hebrew word was? Jubilee. Teruah. Teruah. They shouted. So God has gone up with a shout. So when we shout, God stands up. And then it says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. How many have some spiritual enemies you need to see scattered? Amen? How many need some easy miracles? How many need some divine reversals? How many want to see some jubilee release? I want you to stand to your feet and we're going to begin to release a shout. Amen? We're going to release a shout into the atmosphere. And then I know the prophetic teams are going to minister in just a moment. But I want you just to release with everything that's on the inside of you. Do you know what, the, do you know what it, they actually did a study about what happens when you lift up your hands? And do you know what they say what happens when you lift up your hands? Scientifically, they say that if you just do it for two minutes a day, I don't know if we'll do two minutes right now, but they say if you just do it for 120 seconds, you can look it up on a TED Talk. I'm not giving you scripture, I'm giving you a TED Talk. Okay? But on a TED Talk, they say scientifically that what happens is that your body undergoes a remarkable change. Number one, they say that your cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone, that makes you fat goes down 40%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Wait a minute, that was the most faith I've seen in the room all night long. Most faith I've seen in the room, all right? They also say that your, that your testosterone, ladies, even we have testosterone, it's called the power hormone, it actually goes up 25%. They say that you are more likely to attract favorable circumstances. You are more likely to be hired for a job even over the competition that may be more qualified because you're seen as more competent, more confident, and more authentic. This is, I'm referring to TED Talk. Do you think that God had something in mind when he told us, lift up your hands? Because he thought, he knew that there was going to be more in it for us than in it for him. So what we're going to do is we're going to lift up our hands and we're going to release a shout into the atmosphere. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! that person that's next to you and just declare easy miracles. Father, we declare jubilee. We decree, decree divine reversals. We decree supernatural turnarounds, Father God. Lord, we thank you right now that pain is leaving bodies right now. We thank you right now that pain is leaving bodies. We thank you right now that people that are here that have lumps and tumors and cysts and growths, Lord, we thank you, God, that you're causing those things at the very root to begin to dissolve. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're bringing healing into joints. Healing into joints, Father God. Healing into backs, into necks, into shoulders, into knees. Father, that you're loosing your healing power. Easy miracles. You're turning death into life. Death into life. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I want you to declare, this is my jubilee. Listen, I had a lady in my church that every, she texts me one day and she said, every single day I've been lifting my hands for two minutes and I've been praying in tongues. And she said, I want you to know at the end of this week, I've lost five pounds of attitude. You know what happens when we lift our hands? We connect heaven and earth. Look at your neighbor and say, be the connector between heaven and earth. Amen. God bless you.